Well, hello there, and welcome. You're tuned to KDRT here in Davis, California, where the grassroots grow. We're at 95.7 LPFM on your local radio dial, or coming to you around the world on KDRT.org on your selected electronic device. I am Rodriguez, and this is Silver 9 Volt Heart. Mama said, baby, wait for me in the car. And she went looking for his daddy inside a bar. So he sat and let the radio take him far away. Listening to XPRS and KRLA. Plastic silver nine-volt heart. You click it on and let the music stop and the radio was his toy the radio was his toy was 20 and he was 17 years old Sitting in a parked car on a country road Running his fingers through her long black hair And the staples singing Baby, I'll take you there Plastic silver nine-volt heart You click it on and let the Music star and the radio was his toy. The radio was his toy. Well, greetings, folks, and uh, many thanks for tuning in to KDRT. And uh, this is the 279th live edition of Silver Nine Volt Heart. I am Rodriguez, your put-me-in coach. I'm ready to play today host for the next two hours here at 95.7 LPFM and KDRT.org. Silver Nine Volt Heart airs live on Thursdays from 4 to 6 p.m. And replays are on Fridays from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. And Saturdays, of course, from 2 to 4 p.m. Now, I always encourage you to check out the entire catered program schedule on our website, kdrt.org. Well, for this community radio broadcast, my weekly tour of the Rancho Mosianco Archives 
is kind of rooted in a lot of different aspects of my life and uh, those of others, too. Uh, every once in a while, I'd like to explain the background of the name of this broadcast, Silver Nine Volt Art. And if you've ever had a transistor radio, what is the heart of the radio, besides on a spiritual sense? Well, it's a 9-volt battery. That's right. And uh, I got to tell you that uh, back when I was a youngster, it made a big difference in my life. And I'll, I'll tell you about that in just a little bit. All right. Well, 70 years ago, that's right, Sports Illustrated began its publication. And one of the things that uh, transpired around the time that the publication started in 1954 was the advent of an expanded media. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about FM and AM radio before we carry on to the rest of our broadcast. On the evening of January 31st, 1954, Edwin Armstrong dressed as the man of means he'd once been. The engineer had exhausted his $9 million fortune in a legal war with RCA, RCA over the patents to frequency modulation, also known as FM. The broadcast signal that would carry radio and television voices around the world, static-free. Dig that. In a distant future that Armstrong couldn't see from his apartment in the opulent river house, which afforded commanding views of everything else, Manhattan, the East River, and beyond it, the world. In his apartment, 13 stories above East 52nd Street, Armstrong put on gloves, a top coat, a scarf, and a hat to protect himself against the winter chill. He wrote a note to his estranged wife, Marion. Then he stepped out of the open window and into oblivion. Or what may have been oblivion had Armstrong not given the world the FM signal and the tower he personally erected to broadcast it. That's right, a latticework of steel, 425 feet tall, it would be known as the Armstrong Tower to the 21st century commuters who notice it as they crawled past it on Route 9 in Alpine, New Jersey. Yet, it would host broadcast and mobile radio, television, cell phone, and satellite links for in a for a time it even housed the broadcast and production of the USA Cable Network and a myriad of other technological marvels still undreamed of on the last day of Armstrong's life. The last day of the first month of that auspicious year for the new media, a phrase that didn't yet exist on January 31st, 1954. Now, near the end of 1954, just in time for Christmas sales, and by the way, it is a leap day. That's right, February 29th is the date, and uh, that only comes around every once in a while. And it begs the question, and this one goes out to uh, Butane James Buchanan, just how many shopping days are left until Christmas? So just in time for the Christmas sales, Texas Instruments and a company called IDEA, that's right, IDEA, revealed to great fanfare a more accessible technological marvel, the Regency TR-1. And TR stood for, of course, transistor radio. And the device came in six colors, black, ivory, mahogany, olive green, mandarin red, and cloud gray. And there was an immediate clamor for this 12-ounce wonder because it made voices on the radio from Elvis Presley's to Vin Scully's portable. And you know, baseball announcers enlist their listeners 
to as accomplices, requiring them to use their imagination. Now, no one could know that the TR-1 was the first in an indefinite and infinite line of what the airline industry would come to call personal electronic devices. It was easily taken to the ballpark or to the backyard bomb shelter, for that matter. And for a time, it was enough that the TR-1 transistor radio put live baseball right in a shirt pocket, which was specifically designed to fit. And there's a little bit about FM, frequency modulation, and AM, and how the transistor radio enlarged the audience of sports. All right, so back to me and my background. <laughs> um, when back my mom and dad were getting divorced, uh, baseball and the transistor radio kind of saved me from going nuts. And that, that would come later on. <laughs> I've been trying to rein it in for quite a while. And uh, upon us right now, we're at the threshold of the 2024 baseball season. For all Major League Baseball, minor and independent leagues, international ball, college, high school, and of course, little leagues for boys and girls. It's all getting going right now. So uh, it's a great tradition in our country and around the globe. And there's a lot of young kids that just can't wait to get a chance to get out there in that field, run around in the grass, and just play. It's fun to play a game. So for this broadcast of Silver 9-Volt Heart, I, Rodriguez, will bring you the sounds of the old ball game and the spirit catered style. So sit back and enjoy. We've got all kinds of fun things. We've got music. We've got trivia. And uh, just a good look at what is once known as America's pastime. Keep it tuned right here to KDRT. I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. That I might have been given a bad break, but I've got an awful lot to live for. Thank you. 
Costello, I'm going to New York with you. You know, Bucky Harris, the Yanks manager, gave me a job as coach for as long as you're on the team. Look, Habit, if you're the coach, you must know all the players. I certainly do. Well, you know, I, mean, I never met the guys, so you'll have to tell me their names, and then I'll know who's playing on the team. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you their names, but you know, strange it may seem, they give these ball players nowadays very peculiar names. You mean funny names? Strange names, pet names, like Dizzy Dean and... His brother Daffy. Daffy Dean. I'm their French cousin. French? Gouffet. Gouffet Dean, oh, I see. <laughs> well, let's see, we have on the bags, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find I out. I say, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Are you the manager? Yes. You're going to be the coach, too? Yes. And you know the fellow's name? Oh, I should. Well, then who's on first? Yes. I mean the fellow's name. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first baseman. Who? The guy playing first. Who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell That's me. That's it. That's who? Yes. <laughs> Look, you got a first baseman? Certainly. Who's playing first? That's right. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. <laughs> All I'm trying to find out is the fellow's name on first base. Who? The guy that gets the That's money. That's it. Who gets the money on he first base? He does, every dollar. Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Whose wife? Yes. <laughs> That. Look, all I want to know is when you sign up the first baseman, how does he sign his name to the Who? contract? The guy. Who? How does he sign his That's name? That's how he signs it. Who? Yes. <laughs> all I'm trying to find out is what's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, don't change the players. Right? I'm not changing nobody. Take it I'm, easy, buddy. I'm only asking you who's the guy on first base? That's right. Okay. All right. <laughs> Name on no, what is on second? I'm not asking you who's on who's second. Who's on first? I don't know. Oh, he's on third. We're not talking about him. Now, let's begin. Now, how did I get on third base? Why, you mentioned his name. If I mentioned a third baseman's name, who did I say is playing third? No, who's playing first? What's on first? What's on second? I don't know. He's on third. There I go, back on third again. <laughs> Now, who's playing third base? Why do you insist on putting who on third base? What am I putting on third? Uh, what is on second? You don't want who on second? Who is on first? I don't know. Third, third base! <laughs> Look, you got outfield? Sure. The left fielder's name. Why? I just thought I'd ask. Well, I just thought I'd tell you. Then tell me who's playing left field. Who is playing first? I'm not. Stay out of the infield! <laughs> guy's name in left field. No, what is on second? I'm not asking you who's on who's second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third base. <laughs> and the left fielder's name? Why? Because. Oh, he's center field. He's center field. <laughs> well look, look, look. You got a pitcher on a team? Sure. The pitcher's name? Tomorrow. You don't want to tell me today? I'm telling you, then man. go ahead. Tomorrow. What time? What time what? What time tomorrow you're going to tell me who's pitching? Now, listen. Who is not pitching? I'll who break is... your arm, you say. Who's on <laughs> first? <laughs> What's on second? I don't know. Third base. Not <laughs> a catcher? Certainly. The catcher's name. Today. Today. 
A Kamar's picture. Now you've got it. All we got is a couple of days on the well, team. <laughs> you know, I'm a catcher, too. So they tell me. I get behind a plate do some fancy catching. Kamar's pitching on my team, and a heavy hitter gets up. Yes. Now, the heavy hitter bunched the ball. When he bunched the ball, me being a good catcher, I want to throw the guy out of first base, so I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now, that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, that's all you have to do. Just to throw the ball at first base. Yes. Now, who's got it? Naturally. <laughs> Somebody's got to get it. Now, who has it? Naturally. Who? Naturally. Naturally? Naturally. So I pick up the ball and I throw it to naturally. No, you don't. You throw the ball in a hole. Naturally. That's different. That's what I said. You're not saying that. I throw the ball in naturally. You throw it to who? Naturally. That's it. That's what I said. Listen, you ask me. I throw the ball to who? Naturally. Now, you ask me. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. That's it. Same as you. <laughs> don't change them around. Same as you. Go ahead. Now, get it I throw the ball to who? Whoever it is drops the ball and the guy runs a second. Yes. Who picks up the ball and throws it to what? What throws it to, I don't know. I don't know, throws it back to tomorrow. Triple play. Yes. Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to be caused. Why? I don't know. He's on third and I don't give a darn. Well, what? I said I don't give a darn. Oh, that's our shortstop. I'm an We need a hit, so here I go. Ball one. Yeah. Ball two. Strike yeah. right one. Strike two. A case of Wheaties. Joe. One night in Cleveland, oh, 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 good 
Bot Street DiMaggio. You're talking about Willie plays all of it. That's right. He plays. Let's call Willie and ask him. Call him. Okay. Hey, Willie. Yes. Are you Willie Mays? Yes. Whose ball was that? Why was it? In left field. Well, that's Irving's ball. I told you that. You... Every time we come to the game, we got to talk about it. The next time, I'm going to sit in the grandstand. Say, I... hey, fellas, what's your name? Say who? Say Willie. Say hey. Say who? Swinging at the plate. Say hey. Say who? Say Willie. That giant kid is great When he hits the ball It's long gone man Hits it farther than Camp can Swings the bats like a little lead pipe When they reach the ball It's overripe Say hey, say who? Say Willie, say hey Say who? Swing it at the plate Say hey, say who? Say Willie, that giant kid is great the bass is like a choo-choo train Swings around the second like an aeroplane His cap flies off when it passes third And he heads home like an eagle bird Say hey, say who, say Willie Say hey, say who Swinging at the plate, say hey center like you have jet shoes the other batters get the willy blues anything hit his way is out man it just don't pay those guys to clout say hey say who say willy say hey say who swing it at the plate say hey say who say willy that giant kid is great in an awful jam but now he's back and he's leo's joy and willie's still a growing boy say hey say who say willie say hey say who swinging at the plate say hey say who say willie that giant kid is great that giant kid is great say willie what you gonna say Majeski, Johnny G, Eddie Juiced, Johnny Pesky, Thornton Lee, Danny Gardella, 
Max Lanier, Eddie Wakeus, and Johnny Vandermeer. Bob Estalella, Van Lingo Mungo, Augie Bergamo, Sigmund Jacoki, Big Johnny Mize, and Barney McCoy. Trotsky, Augie Galan and Pinky May, Stan Hack and Frenchie Bordegaray, Phil Cabaretta, George McQuinn, Howard Pollett and Early Wynn, Roy Campanella, Van Lingle Augie Bergamo, Sigmund Jakuki, Big Johnny Mize and Barney McCoskey, Hal Trotsky, John Antonelli, Ferris Fane, Frankie Crosetti, Johnny Sane, Harry Brookeen and Lou Boudreau. Frankie Gustine and Claude Passo. Eddie Basinski, Ernie Lombardi, Huey Mulcahy, Van Lingle, Van Lingle, Mungo. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to uh, Silver Nine Volt Heart. I'm Rodriguez, and we're rolling out our annual baseball special. Yeah, getting pumped for the season, probably about a month away before things really get rolling. But remember, it's not just the major leagues that uh, you follow. You, you want to hit them all. Minors, Pioneer League, international stuff. I've got a friend of mine who lives in Honolulu, and he is a passionate baseball fan, and he gives me regular updates about the major leagues in Japan and their statistics that uh, have brought all sorts of uh, big names over and big money folks like uh, Otani. Yeah, there you go. We'll start right at the top of the heap. But don't forget, donate to your local little league so boys and girls can start out at T-ball and keep rolling and enjoying 
a wonderful time of uh, camaraderie, learning a skill, a little eye-to-hand coordination, and how good it feels to be out there on the green grass. I mean, isn't one of the greatest smells in the world? Fresh-cut grass on a spring day with a little sunshine, just kind of icing the cake. Yeah. All right, well, we started off uh, on our first set with uh, Lou Gehrig's Farewell, recorded at Yankee Stadium on the day he hung up his spikes. And, of course, Doc and Merle Watson with Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And we just can't pass up because it always sounds so good. Abbott and Costello with Who's On First. They don't make <laughs> vaudeville shows anymore, and if they did, they wouldn't be that good. And uh, Jolt and Joe DiMaggio by the Les Brown Orchestra. It was known as Les Brown's Band of Renown, and they hung in there for many years. And the Treniers, that's right, the Treniers with Say Hey Willie and Steve Frischberg with Van Lingo Mungo. And uh, he was rolling through some names there that sounded like the Ellis Island Registry, I'm telling you. And by the way, where are the colorful nicknames in the game of baseball anymore? You know, where are they? Where's those guys like Walt Nonek Williams, the former White Sox? How about Jimmy the Toy Cannon Win, one of the first Astros from Houston? And of course, one of the all-time great nicknames from baseball, Mordecai Three Finger Brown. He lost a couple fingers in a farm machinery accident, and it actually helped him pitch better. There you go. I believe he was a Chicago Cub. I'd also like to mention that uh, KDRT has always uh, got our ear to the rail about good things that we should always be remembered to think about, take action on, and uh, pay homage to. And February is Black History Month, and you cannot even begin to look at the game of baseball from childs learning the game to famous major leaguers uh, without the uh, contributions on many levels of black and Afro-American players. Uh, they started out in the Negro Leagues, and finally, finally, thanks to Branch Rickey, they became part of the major leagues. And uh, still, it's just amazing. Here's, here's the first trivia question I'm going to give you. This, is, this should be easy to anybody that's a fan of the Giants. Who is the oldest living Major League Baseball Hall of Famer? That's easy. Number 24, Willie Howard Mays. He still roams this earth, folks. All righty. Hey, speaking of KDRT, if you like to listen to the radio... Well, and you like to listen on Wednesdays? we got a couple of shows that I think you're going to dig. Sometimes Folk with Bill Wagman explores an eclectic range of folk, from traditional music of the British Isles and the U.S. to contemporary singer and songwriters on both sides of the Atlantic to American Roots music and its lesser-known offshoots. And you can tune in to Sometimes Folk with Bill on Wednesdays from 10 to 11 a.m. right here on The Dirt. And also on Wednesdays, Heart to Heart with Dr. G as she works to inspire and teach us to live a rich life filled with love and care for people and the world around us. Nothing wrong with that, folks. And uh, Dr. G and Heart to Heart are on Wednesdays from 12 noon to 1 p.m. So there's a couple of Wednesday shows for you. All right, let's go ahead and get back to some music. Going to go ahead and swing it right through the Golden Gate. And uh, we'll take a turn towards the former location of Candlestick Park. And uh, who knows exactly where this old horsehide ball is going to be rolling, but I can guarantee you we'll have a good time.
And get your thinking caps on because I got some really good trivia coming up a little bit later on in the show. You're listening to KDRT and Silver Nine Volt Heart here in Davis. the drum. Here they come, the San Francisco Giants. What a team. They're supreme. They're the cream of San Francisco Giants. When the young shouts, okay, let's play ball. Oh, beware you Dodgers, Braves and all. For they can suck, and they can rock, and they can belt that and friends while we recall the names of giants in history of baseball there's john mcgraw his teams were thrilling in baseball's annals he'd have to have top billing and to long george kelly any fence was just a load of wood to hit a ball against if there was trouble they'd send for hubble while there was no greater dish than the fallen flash fish we remember and Jackson, Lindstrom, Schumacher, Terry, and Moore, O'Doul, Orenko, and many guys to numerous to mention. They've since gone out on pension from the giant club of days gone by. Go, you giant. The script for the Giants' 1962 cliffhanger season had all the makings of an old-fashioned Hollywood movie serial. Stocked by the villainous Dodgers and in the jaws of death all year long, the tenacious Giants refused to die, clawing their way to the final hour of the season and a climatic showdown with their arch-rivals. All the thrills and chills of the 1962 campaign added up to the most exciting year ever in San Francisco history and the Giants' finest single-season mark since 1913 with 103 wins. Alvin Dark, the former Giants shortstop in his second year as manager, had pieced together the Giants pitching puzzle in the preseason when he acquired veteran hurlers Billy Pierce and Don Larson in a sweetheart deal with the White Sox. With the addition of the Wiley Pierce, Dark now had the left-hander he needed to complete his formidable starting rotation of Jack Sanford, Billy O'Dell, and future Hall of Famer Juan Marichal. The foursome went on to combine for 77 victories in 1962. The giant sluggers, as usual, came out to rip the cover off the ball, and they did. Orlando Cepeda and outfielder Felipe Alou had fine years, combining for 60 home runs and more than 200 RBIs. And Willie McCovey, with only 229 at-bats, still knocked 20 out of the park, including this towering blast against the Cardinals that seemed to orbit forever. Gibson checking with his catcher, Gene Oliver. Now he's up and they're ready. Throws two and two. McCovey swings, crash, tell it, bye, bye, baby. And I mean tell it, bye, bye, baby. That one went clear over the right field roof and disappeared down the street on its way to the hamburger joint. Each of the astounding 204 home runs the Giants collected in 62 gave Russ Hodges in the radio booth one more opportunity to drive Giants fans crazy with his ever-familiar cry of bye, bye, baby. 
1962, it was the sensational Willie Mays who was the king of the bye-bye baby bonanza 49 times over. Davenport, Marichal, and Chuck Hiller all ready to head for the barn if Mays can connect. A 2-0 count as Larry's into the windup. The pitch. Mays sends a long high drive to deep left field. Williams is going far back, far back. Hit it. Bye-bye, baby, a grand slam. When the Giants come to town, it's bye-bye, baby. Every time the chips are down, it's bye-bye, baby. History's in the making at Candlestick Park. When the New York Mets came to town in May, they found the 62 Giants flexing their muscles in a whole different way. And it was Mets pitcher Roger Craig, the Giants' humbaby skipper of the future, who found himself squaring off with the baby bull Orlando Cepeda in what was perhaps the greatest Giants brawl ever. With Willie Mays at second base, Craig on the mound, Lon Simmons and Russ Hodges called the shots. Shea bluffs now, now throw to second base, and Mays is back in. And now they're, Jacone starts hitting Mays, Mays jumps on him. And Cepeda and Craig are at it. Cepeda and Craig and Cepeda gets in a left hook. Boy, we've got a brawl at second base as Chacon started hitting Mays on top of the head as they were lying there. Mays picked Chacon up and threw him on the ground. Cepeda swung a left hook and almost decked Craig. We've got ball players all over there. Russ, I don't know what that was about. Mays slid into second and Chacon just started hitting him on the head and Mays picked Chacon up and threw him down on the ground. Cepeda came over and swung a beautiful left hook that nailed Roger Craig right on the button. Uh, Lon, I've seen some good ones, but this is the best when they get squared off individually like that. It's the first time I've ever seen Mays throw a punch. And after uh, Chacon hit him, Mays tagged him once and picked him up and bounced him around on the ground. Then Cepeda went for Craig and uh, gave him as good a left hook as I have ever seen. And all in all, uh, this one, of all I've ever seen, this was the best baseball brawl because there was no kidding around about this. There was no pushing, hauling, and, and tagging. They were really throwing uppercuts, and a lot of them were landing. All righty, since we're uh, in the mood for getting our black and orange on, uh, I got a nice story to share with you. This harkens back to the early 60s, which I'm particularly fond of. <laughs> that era made a big impression on me, and my foundation life is firmly built on around that time period, for sure. Uh, what we heard is a couple things there. We heard Paul Walty with the Giant song, about as corny as you can get. 
<laughs> Still makes me laugh. Still sounds good. And then uh, broadcast off the old station, KSFO. That's a long time back. Uh, and you heard both, you know, the Giants fight song, and then you heard the Giants fight. And uh, they don't do it like that anymore. <laughs> Things are nicer these days. All right, so here is a story for you. And it has to do with one of the greatest San Francisco Giants of all time, Gaylord Perry. And I'd like to dedicate this story to uh, Stephen Robinson. And uh, he's a, a longtime catered listener and someone that listens into Silver Nine Volt Heart because I think this kind of connects with some of the activities in his life. Uh, and if things go right and everything works out well, we're going to have Stephen here behind the mic from time to time on Silver Nine Volt Heart. All right, so one of the most improbable stories about San Francisco Hall of Famer Gaylord Perry has nothing to do with his pitching. The renowned spitball artist Perry hit just six home runs in 1,220 career Major League plate appearances. However, the first ball he launched out of the park reverberated at astronomical levels. Now, the story begins with Alvin Dark, who managed the Giants from 1961 to 1964. And according to Sports Illustrated, during Dark's tenure with the team in either 1962 or 63, the San Francisco Examiner Giants beat reporter Harry Jupiter, <laughs> good name for the story, was watching Perry take batting practice. And he told Dark that he looked like Perry had some pop in his bat. Alvin Dark turned to Harry Jupiter and said, no way. There'll be a man on the moon before Gaylord Perry hits a home run. So fast forward to July 20th, 1969. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were preparing to make man's maiden voyage to the moon, and Gaylord Perry, who by then had established himself as one of the game's great pitchers, still had not hit a home run. Well, Armstrong didn't take his one small step for man onto the moon until about 7.56 p.m. The astronaut's Apollo 11 command module touched down on its surface at 1.17 p.m., officially making them the first humans to land on the moon. Meanwhile, the Giants, with Perry starting on the mound, and Los Angeles Dodgers uh, had just begun their game at Candlestick Park. The action was interrupted when the public address announcer asked the crowd, the crowd to give a moment of silence thanks to the astronauts who just made history by landing on the moon. About 34 minutes later, Gaylord Perry came up for his 485th major league at bat in the bottom of the third inning and drilled a fastball from the Dodgers pitcher Claude Osteen for his first ever home run. So that's a story that is true. <laughs> <laughs> they put a man on the moon before Gaylord Perry hit his first major league home run, as predicted by his former manager, Alvin Dark. All right, let's get back to some music. And I think I got lined up here. Oh, yeah, Sister Winona Carr. Let's keep it going here on KDRT and Silver Nine Volt Art.
Can you give us just a few basic comments about your feelings on the game? Well, naturally, I feel bad about losing a ball game like that. There's, uh, there's no way you should lose that ball game. And that uh, just doesn't make sense. What's your opinion of Kingman's performance? What's my opinion of Kingman's performance? What the f do you think is my opinion of it? I think it was put that in. I don't opinion of his performance. He beat us with three home runs. What the f can you mean? What is my opinion of his performance? How can you ask me a question like that? What is my opinion of his of of his performance? He hit three home runs. I'm off to lose the game, and you ask me my opinion of his performance. I mean, that's a tough question to ask me, isn't it? What is my opinion of his performance? Yes, it is. I asked it, and you gave me an answer. Well, I didn't give you a good answer because I'm mad, but I mean... That wasn't a good question. That's a tough question to ask me right now. What is my opinion of his performance? I mean, you want me to tell you what my opinion of his performance is? And they just did. That's right. Guy hits three home runs against us.
All righty. We had a couple of entertaining uh, pieces of uh, recorded sound right there coming to you on your FM radio or perhaps uh, the old new stuff, right? The computer. We heard The Ball Game by Sister Winona Carr. Ah, I love that stuff. She just runs it down. <laughs> runs it down beautifully right through, right through the Bible and out the back door. And, of course, Tommy Lasorda with his opinion on Dave Kim Kingman's three-home run game as when he was a manager of the Dodgers. Tommy, I'm sure if there is a heaven, you're up there entertaining the guys in the dugout right now. Okay, as I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, we're going to do some baseball trivia uh, for a little bit here. And I think that some of these, if you really, really know what you're talking about, you're going to get. Uh, but ahead, like I said, put your thinking caps on and uh, let's see where this goes. Here, here's just something to kind of wet your whistle a little bit. You know that during World War II, the U.S. military designed a grenade to be about the size and weight of a baseball. Since any young American man should be able to properly throw it. That's true. <laughs> and here's another one reaching back. In the mid-1800s, you could be put out between the bases by having the ball thrown directly at you. Directly at you. Players were resistant when the rule was changed. Patching, as it was known, was an important and masculine part of the game. Can you imagine that these days? <laughs> Talk about fights breaking out. Yeah. Hey, uh, how about this one? Who broke up at least 81 no-hitters with a home run? Who broke up at least 81 no-hitters with a home run? The answer, the greatest leadoff player of all time, Ricky Henderson. By virtue of his 81 leadoff home runs, now that's a stat that will never be matched, which occurred when the opposing pitcher had clearly not yet allowed a hit. Way to go, Ricky. Here's another one, one of my favorite players of all time. Who is the only player in history to hit a walk-off inside-the-park Grand Slam home run? Uh, one of the finest, and one of the first Latin players, too, Roberto Clemente. Clemente's Grand Slam was hit on July 25, 1956, off Cubs pitcher Jim Brosnan. Now, I'm going to try to find some footage of that. That would be about the most thrilling play that could ever have happened on a baseball field. Okay, here's another one. Speaking of the name Robinson, there's your first tip right there. Who are the only two players to win A, a league MVP, B, a World Series MVP, and C, an All-Star Game MVP? And these guys were actually teammates at one time. That's right. Brooks and Frank Robinson. Two Hall of Famers for sure. Uh, when the Reds traded Frank Robinson to the Orioles, that's, that's all she wrote. Uh, he, he still, I think, is the only guy to win an MVP in both leagues. All righty. Well, I guess Shohei probably will match that, huh? <laughs> I won't mention which team he's playing on. i got to stick, stick with my roots, folks. All right, and uh, speaking of Black History Month, being this is a leap year and we got the 29 days in it, who was the first African-American player inducted into the Hall of Fame who had not played in the Negro Leagues? Who was the first African-American player inducted into the Hall of Fame who had not played in the Negro Leagues? The answer, what do you think? Probably one of the best right-handed pitchers of all time. 
And uh, he spent his entire career with a team that uh, Brandon Crawford just signed up with, Bob Gibson. And Bob Gibson was inducted in the Hall of Fame in 1981. And unlike Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Ernie Banks, and other black Hall of Famers who made their major league debuts in the 40s or 50s, the Cardinals pitching legend did not get his start in professional baseball with a Negro League club. Okay, this is a fun one too. You ready? <laughs> what slugger's name is composed of four body parts? What slugger's name is composed of four body, body parts? Now, if you're an A's fan, a longtime A's fan, you should get this. Okay, you ready? You ready, folks? Tony Armas. That's right. Toe, knee, arm, ass. Tony Armas. All right, and speaking of uh, Bay Area baseball, this is one of the best trivia questions ever. You can, you can always win a beer at a bar with this one, uh, unless someone else has been studying some of the stats. Who is the last switch hitter to win American League MVP? The last switch hitter to win the American League MVP. Yeah, this, this is where people usually don't get it. They usually say Mickey Mantle. That's not correct. Not correct. None other than Vita Blue. Really, all the way back in 1971 when he was in Oakland A. He also won the Cy Young Award that year in addition to the MVP award. And he was a switch hitter. So there you go. There's your KDRT and Silver 9 Volt Heart Baseball Trivia for 2024. <laughs> Jot these things down, folks. Uh, you, won't win, you won't go to the bank with a lot of money, but you'll have fun knowing that baseball trivia is infinite in its entertainment. All right, well, let's get back to some music here. I got one tuned up that, uh, well, it's, it's not quite true anymore, uh, but just the way that Steve Goodman handles it is just beautiful. Keep it tuned right here to The Dirt in Davis, California. By the shores of old Lake Michigan Where the hawk wind blows so cold An old cub fan lay dying in his midnight hour, the toll Round his bed, his friends had all gathered They knew his time was short and on his head, they put this bright blue cap From his all-time favorite sport he Told him it's late, it's getting dark in here And I know it's time to go But before I leave the lineup there's just one thing that I'd like to know Do they still play the blues in Chicago When baseball season rolls around When the snow melts away Do the cubbies still play In their ivy-covered burial ground When I was a boy they were my pride and joy But now they only bring fatigue To the home of the brave the land of the free and the doormat of the National League. He told his friends, you know the law of averages says anything will happen that can. That's what it says. 
But the last time the Cubs won a National League pennant was the year we dropped the bomb on Japan. The Cubs made me a criminal, sent me down a wayward path. They stole my youth from me, that's the truth. I'd forsake my teachers to go sit in the bleachers in flagrant truancy. And then one thing led to another. And soon I discovered alcohol, gambling, dope, football, hockey, lacrosse, tennis. But what do you expect when you raise up a young boy's hopes and then just crush them like so many paper beer cups? Year after year after year. After year after year after year after year after year. Till those hopes are just so much popcorn for the pigeons beneath the L tracks to eat. He said, you know, I'll never see Wrigley Field anymore before my eternal rest. So if you have your pencils and your scorecards ready, I'll read you my last request. He said, give me a doubleheader funeral in Wrigley Field on some sunny weekend day. No lights. Have the organ play the national anthem. And then a little na-na-na-na, hey-hey-hey, goodbye. Make six bullpen pitchers carry my coffin and six groundskeepers clear my path. Have the umpires bark me out at every base all their holy wrath it's a beautiful day for a funeral hey Ernie let's play too somebody go get Jack Brickhouse to come back and conduct just one more interview have the cubbies run right out into the middle of the field have Keith Moreland drop a routine fly Give everybody two bags of peanuts and a frosty malt, and I'll be ready to die. Build a big fire on home plate out of your Louisville Slugger baseball bats and toss my coffin in. Let my ashes blow in a beautiful snow from the prevailing 30 mile an hour southwest wind. And when my last remains go flying over the left field wall, we'll bid the bleacher bums adieu. I will come to my final resting place out on Waveland Avenue. The dying man's friends told him to cut it out. They said, stop it, that's an awful shame. He whispered, don't cry, we'll meet by and by near the heavenly hall of fame. He said, I've got season's tickets to watch the angels now. So that's just what I'm gonna do said, but you, the living, you're stuck here with the Cubs. So it's me that feels sorry for you. And he said, oh, play, play that Lonesome Losers tune. That's the one I like the best. Closed his eyes and slipped away. Well, Scotty, it was the dying Cub fans' last request. So here it is. Do they still play the blues in Chicago? Baseball season rolls around When the snow melts away Do the Cubbies still play in their Ivy Cubs or bear your ground? When I was a boy, they were my pride and joy But now they only bring fatigue To the home of the brave 
Bobby Thompson up there swinging. He's had two out of three, a single and a double, and Billy Cox is playing him right on the third base line. One out, last of the ninth, back of pitches. Bobby Thompson takes a strike call on the inside corner. Bobby hitting at 292. He's had a single and a double, and he drove in the Giants' first run with a long fly to center. Brooklyn leads it 4 to 2. Artem down the line at third, not taking any chances. Lockton without too big of a lead at second, but he'll be running like the wind if Thompson hits one. Franca throws. There's a long side. I can't be, I believe. The Giants won the pellet. 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 Bobby Thompson hits into the lower deck of the left field stand. The Giants won the pellet, and they're going crazy. They're going crazy. Yeah, what a call. What a call. Okay, uh, so we heard the Dying Cubs, Dying Cub fans' last request by Steve Goodman. If you've ever been to Wrigley Field, uh, he summed it up beautifully. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, uh, that's kind of like going to heaven. place is wonderful. Uh, the fans are cool, the ushers are great, and the atmosphere just cannot be beat. And, of course, Bobby Thompson's shot heard round the world. Okay, well, you know, one of the things that I like is uh, sports when they don't get too serious, you know. I'm a firm believer that uh, there's a lot of tension in this world, and every once in a while, we need a relief. Now, if you look at the Super Bowl, the recent Super Bowl, we didn't get that relief that we needed. We needed that release bad. <laughs> didn't happen. And last year's Giants, well, I think their record ended up 79-83, and 83, so we got to improve on that this year. And uh, for those out there that bleed a little black and orange like I do, uh, you just hope that the combination of players they've got may do the job. <sighs> We're yet to see the headlines on, on another playoff berth yet, but we hope. And that's it, the eternal hope that each season brings when the spring begins anew. All right, and I'd like to have a colorful and not-so-serious uh, look at it and uh, – well, of course, Bob Bucher, who is still doing play-by-play -play calls for the Milwaukee Brewers, said this about his own career. I signed with the Milwaukee Braves for $3,000. That bothered my dad at the time because he didn't have that kind of dough. But eventually, he scraped it up. So we need more people like Uke around. All right, we're going to end our uh, annual baseball broadcast with a tape. It's an old one, too of DeWolf Hopper. You may not know who DeWolf Hopper is, but he's the man that actually did the oration, probably from a vaudeville stage of Casey at the Bat. And after that, we're going to get into some fun music to kind of round out the rest of the broadcast. Yeah, a lot of good stuff will be fun, easy listening, and hopefully get your toe a-tapping and a smile on your face. So keep it tuned right here to 95.7 or kdrt.org. 
The outlook wasn't brilliant for the Mudville Nine that day. The score stood four to two, with but one inning more to play. And so when Cooney died at first and Burroughs did the same, a sickly silence fell upon the patrons of the game. A struggling few got up to go in deep despair. The rest clung to that hope which springs eternal in the human breast. They thought if only Casey could but get a whack at that. Ah, uh, we'd put up even money now with Casey at the bat. But Flynn preceded Casey, as did also Jimmy Blake. And the former was a no-good and the latter was a fake. So upon that stricken multitude, grim melancholy sat. For there seemed but little chance of Casey's getting to the bat. But Flynn let drive a single to the wonderment of all. And Blake, the much despised, tore the cover of the ball. And when the dust had arisen, and the men saw what had occurred. Now, there was Blake a safe at second, and Flynn a hugging third. Then from five thousand throats went up a lusty yell. It rumbled in the valley, it rattled in the dell. It knocked upon the mountain top and recoiled upon the flat for Casey. Mighty Casey was advancing to the back. There was pride in Casey's bearing as he stepped into his place. There was ease in Casey's manner and a smile on Casey's face. And when responding to the cheers, he lightly doffed his hat. No stranger in the crowd could doubt. Twas a Casey at the bat. Ten thousand eyes were on him as he rubbed his hands with dirt. Ten thousand hands of Lauded as he wiped them on his shirt. And when the writhing pitcher ground the ball into his hip, defiance gleamed in Casey's eye. A sneer curled Casey's lip. And now the leather-covered sphere came hurtling through the air, and Casey stood watching it in laughter. A grandeur there, close by the sturdy batsman, the ball unheeded sped. That ain't my style, said Casey. The right one, the umpire said. Then from the benches, black with people, went up a muffled roar, like the beaten storm waves on a stern and distant shore. Kill him! Kill the umpire! cried someone on the stand, and it's likely they'd have killed him had not Casey raised his hand with a smile of Christian charity. Great Casey's visage shone. He stilled the rising tumult. He bade the game go on. He signaled to the pitcher once more the steroid flew, but Casey still ignored it, and the umpire said, and echo answered fraud. But one scornful look from Casey, and the multitude was awed. They saw his face grow stern and cold. They saw his muscles strain, and they knew that Casey wouldn't let that ball go by again. The smile is gone. 
From Casey's face, his teeth are clenched in hate. He pounds with cruel violence, his bat upon the plate. And now the pitcher holds the ball, and now he lets it go. And now the air is shattered by the force of Casey's blow. Oh, somewhere in this favored land, the sun is shining bright. Somewhere bands are playing. Somewhere hearts are light, somewhere men are laughing, and somewhere children shout. <laughs> but there is no joy in Mudville. Mighty Casey has struck out.
hitch was up Monday, not a dog soldier no more. They give me all that money, so much my pockets is sore. More dough than I can use, a reenlistment blue. Took my dough to town Tuesday, found me a big feather bed. I find a job tomorrow, tonight I'm gonna sleep like I'm dead. Get up when I choose, Lord, and I reenlistment blue. I hit the bars Wednesday, made me some friends on my own. Found a pretty baby, she wouldn't leave me alone. She kept me buying booze, hey, reenlistment blue. The misery on Thursday, all the walls moving, I swear. I reached down in my trousers, and all my pockets was bare. Oh, that guy was sure bad news, hey, reenlistment blue. Beneath my head, got a 
next morning and I grabbed that gun Took a shot of cocaine and away I run Made a good run, but I run too slow They overtook me down in Juarez, Mexico Laid in the hot joints, taking the pills And walked the sheriff from Jericho Hill He said, Willie Lee, your name is not Jack Brown You're the dirty hack that shot your woman down Yes, so oh yes, my name is Willie Lee If you've got a warrant just to read it to me Shut her down because she made me slow I thought I was her daddy, but she had five more When I was arrested, I was dressed in black They put me on a train and they took me back Had no friend for to go my bail They slapped my dieter carcass in that county jail Early next morning about a half past nine I spied a sheriff coming down the line Up then he coughed as he flared his throat He said, come on you dirty hack into that district court Into the courtroom my trial began Where I was handled by 12 honest men Just before the jury started out I saw that little judge come as to look about In about five minutes and walked a man Holding the verdict in his right hand The verdict read in the first degree I hollered, Lordy, Lordy, have mercy on me The judge, he smiled as he picked up his pen Ninety-nine years in the Folsom pen Ninety-nine years underneath that ground I can't forget today I shut that bad bitch down Come on, you gotta listen unto me Lay off that whiskey and let that cocaine be These men have receptions, Matlock, A50632, and Batshelder, A39879. They have receptions. <laughs> yeah. I doubt that. guy with a heart of gold, the ways of a gentleman, I've been told the kind of guy who would never harm a flea. But if me and a certain character met the man who invented the cigarette, I'd murder that son of a gun in the first degree. Now it ain't cause I don't smoke myself, and I don't figure it'll hurt my health, and been smoking for 25 years, ain't dead yet. Them nicotine slaves, they're all the same at a petting party or poker game. Everything's got to stop where you smoke that cigarette. Smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. Puff, 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 and if you puff yourself to death. Tell St. Peter at the Golden Gate that you just hate to make him wait. But you just gotta have another cigarette. Game of chance the other night. Old Dame Fortune was doing me right. The kings and queens just kept on coming round. But I played them low, bet them high. My blood didn't work on a certain guy. Kept on betting, laying that money down. 
He'd raise me, I'd raise him, I sweated blood, you gotta sink or swim. Well, he finally called and then didn't raise the bed. I said, Aces, full pal, how about you? He said, I'll tell you in a minute or two, but right now I'm gonna smoke another cigarette. Smoke, smoke, smoke that Tell St. Peter at the Golden Gate that you just hate to make him wait, but you just gotta have another cigarette. With the cutest little gal in the 48 states, a regular uptown fancy kind of dame. She said she'd love me, it seemed to me. Things was going the way they were supposed to be. Hand in hand, we was rolling down Lover's Lane. She was oh so far from the cake of ice. Our petting party was going nice, so help me, Hannah. I'd have been there yet. But I gave her a hug and a little squeeze. She said, Cody, excuse me, please, but right now I gotta light up one of them cigarettes. Tell St. Peter at the Golden Gate that you just hate to make him wait. You just gotta have just one more cigarette. Now life ain't nothing but a poker game. No two hands, quite the same. And I never saw a winner that didn't bet. So if any of you folks fixing to quit, I ain't gonna criticize you one little bit. Instead, I'm gonna light up one of them cigarettes. Smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. Puff, 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 and if you puff yourself to death. Tell St. Peter at the Golden Gate that you just hate to make him wait. But you just gotta have another cigarette. My soul, but what's wrong with me? I'm itching like a man on a fuzzy tree. My friends say I'm acting wild as a bug. I'm in love. I'm all shook up. Yeah, yeah, Well, my hand is shaky and my knees are weak. I can't seem to stand on my own two feet. Who do you think of when you have such luck? I'm in love. I'm all shook up. Well, please don't ask me what's on my mind. I'm a little mixed up, gonna feel fine. When I'm near the girl that I love best, my heart beats so it scares me to death. When she touch my hand, what a chill I got. Her lips are like a volcano and it's hot. I'm proud to say that she's my buttercup. I'm in love. I'm all shook up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My tongue gets tied when I try to speak. My insides shake like a leaf on a tree. There's only one cure for this body of mine. That's to have that girl and a love so fine. She touch my head and what 
the chill I got Her lips are like a volcano that's hot I'm proud to say that she's my buttercup I'm in love I'm all shook up mm -hmm.
used to play around with hearts Hastened at my call When I met that little girl Knew that I would fall Poor little fool Oh yeah I was a Sitting there yakking right in my face I guess I'm gonna have to put you in your place You know, if silence was golden You couldn't raise a dime Because your mind is on vacation And your mouth is working overtime You quoting figures and dropping names Telling stories about the dames You're over laughing when things ain't funny You're trying to sound like the big money You know if talk was criminal You'd lead a life of crime Because your mind is on vacation And your mouth is working overtime
You know that life is short, talk is cheap. Don't be making promises that you can't keep. You don't like this little song I'm singing, just grinning back it. All I can say is if the shoe fits right and you must keep talking, please try to make it rhyme. Because your man is on vacation and your mouth is working Scrub the floor.
Well, now, any regular listener to Silver Nine Volt Heart will know that I like to play some Bob Dylan just about on every broadcast, whether it's one from the Bard himself or a cover version of one of his million great tunes. And uh, there's a reason that I picked Maggie's Farm by Bob off his uh, landmark record, Bringing It All Back Home. Yeah, when you tune into KDRT here in Davis, California, you're going to get a good variety of music. But I also give you a little information, maybe more than you'd like to hear sometime. But, you know, it's my therapy session. <laughs> yeah, you're along for the ride. So anyway, Maggie's Farm. Uh, we open up the broadcast this evening with a nice long set all about spring and the reemergence of baseball. Uh, over 20 years ago, a friend of mine who unfortunately is no longer with us gave me a T-shirt that he found on his travels. And what it was, it was a, kind of a gray T-shirt with some really cool blue and red lettering. And uh, it harkened back to minor league baseball and independent league baseball. And on it, there was a, a you know drawing of an umpire with his mask off, holding his hand out, okay? Holding his hand out flat. So you're with me on this one? And what the lettering said was Maggie's Farm League. And then underneath it, in smaller letters, pray for rain. <laughs> so if you're a Bob Dylan fan and you like the song Maggie's Farm, there's the connection to baseball and the visual imagery that you can have whip up yourself. All right. So, uh, Rodriguez, what did we play in that last set? Well, as I always like to say, for those keeping score at home, uh, we ended up the baseball portion with Casey at the bat by uh, DeWolf Hopper. And that's originally recorded a long time ago. And did you know that uh, he performed that act? And I believe it was recorded in Stockton, California. That was where Mudville was. And then we kicked things off with a trio of blues tunes, or at least had the word blues in the title. Chet Atkins and Mark Knopfler, off their wonderful record, Neck and Neck, we heard Poor, Bo Poor Boy Blues. And then Reenlistment Blues by Yorma Kalkinen, off his solo album, Land of Heroes. And... Uh, can anybody out there in Radio Land know where Reenlistment Blues first appeared? It was a soundtrack, part of a soundtrack to a movie. And it was a movie that uh, brought Frank Sinatra back into the fold after being on the skids. Yeah, the movie From Here to Eternity. And the guy that played Reenlistment Blues in the movie, Merle Travis. He wrote a million of them. Big influence guy, big influence. Probably one of the best scenes in Here to Eternity when they're in the bar and Sinatra picks up <laughs> a couple olives off the bartender's little caddy and he shakes them like they're dice and rolls them down the bar. Classic stuff. Apparently he just made that up on the, on the fly. Good job, Frank. And then we heard cocaine blues by Johnny Cash recorded live in 1968 at Folsom prison. So that's a local recording there. 
Commander Cody and the Lost Planet Airmen with Smoke, 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 that cigarette. And uh, one of my favorite lyrics in that tune is, Oh, she was oh so far from a cake of ice, and our petting party was going nice. So help me, Hannah, I would have been there yet. <laughs> of course, you know what his date had to do. That's right, go ahead and light up one of them cigarettes. And the guy that probably wrote the book on a lot of things in the big picture of recorded sound, uh, the one and only Elvis Presley with All Shook Up, one of the coolest tune ever, tunes ever put to magnetic tape. And then we heard from Billy Joe Armstrong and Nora Jones off their album Foreverly, where they covered an entire Everly Brothers album. We heard Long Time Gone with this, this right-on guitar. And Ricky Nelson with the Jordanaires backing him up on vocals with Poor Little Fool. And Mose Allison, who I haven't played on this station for oh, probably about 10 years. Your mind is on vacation. And we wrapped it up with Bob Dylan. All right, so for Silver 9-Volt Heart, I think what we're going to do for the rest of this broadcast is head on over on the other side of the railroad tracks and start our journey at the mouth of the Mississippi River. That's right, the Crescent City, New Orleans, with one of my favorite bands, Huey Piano Smith and His Clowns. So I'll probably play two or three tunes from him. I think you're going to dig them, and I hope you're out there just feeling good. Keep it tuned right here to The Dirt.
Well, I guess if you say so, I'll have to pack my things and go. That's right, leave the road, Jack. And I'm busted. Cotton is down to a quarter of a pound, but I'm busted. 
I got a cow that went dry and a hen that won't lay. A big stack of bills that gets bigger each day. The county's gonna haul my belongings away cause I'm busted. To my brother to ask for a loan Cause I was busted I hate to beg like a dog without his bone But I'm busted My brother said there ain't a thing I can do My wife and my kids are all down with the flu And I was just thinking about calling on you And I'm busted I'm no thief, but a man can go wrong when he's busted. The food that we can the last summer is gone, and I'm busted. The fields are all there, and the cotton won't grow. Me and my family got to pack up and go, but I'll make a living just where I don't know, cause I'm busted. I'm broke. No bread. I mean, like nothing. Forget it. All right, there's a trio of tunes by Brother Ray. The Statue of Liberty, when it comes to... American R&B. We heard Hit the Road Jack, I Don't Need No Doctor, and then Busted. You know, uh, tax time is coming up. You're ready to be walloped. And before that, Huey, Piano, Smith, and his clowns with Everybody's Wailing. He gives everybody a turn on that one. And High Blood Pressure. Yeah. Well, folks, that'll about do it for this edition of Silver Knight Boldheart. As your host, I, Rodriguez would like to thank you kindly for tuning in to KDRT and your support of Community Radio. And like the late, great Levon Helm once said, if you pour some music on whatever's wrong, it'll sure help out. So until we meet again, live simply, love generously, and be kind, and uh, step in the batter's box and take another swing one more time. <laughs> See you next time, folks. If you've got too many doubts If there's no good reception for me Then tune me out Cause honey, who needs the static It hurts the head And you wind up cracking And the day goes dismal From breakfast party to the sign of prayer What a sorry face you get to wear I'm gonna tell you